0: Welcome to Good Noise, or welcome back if you've been with us before. Uh, My name is Hamilton Clancy. I'm the Producing Artistic Director of The Drilling Company, and this is Good Noise. We've been away for a little while, but we're back, and we're celebrating Black History Month with an audio cast of Inheritance by Eric Henry Sanders. Inheritance was originally presented by The Drilling Company in 2011 as part of our Justice Project at 78th Street Theater Lab. A lot has happened since then. Originally, the play featured Carla Hendrick and David Adams and was directed by Richard Hardin, who has since passed away. A tip of the hat to Richard. He would be thrilled we were coming back to the play at this time. Carla Hendrick joins us again, along with Emmanuel Elpenort, who's been featured in many of our plays, most especially our 2019 Othello. The piece is about 12 minutes long, and it's followed by an interview with playwright Eric Henry Sanders that is really quite terrific. Hope you'll stick around for it. Uh, but without further ado, this is Inheritance by Eric Henry Sanders.
1: Yes? My word.
2: Yeah. You're a king? Nice to finally meet you. You're kidding! No. When did, I mean, who- We share the same great-great-grandfather, Robert Montgomery Graves.
1: You're related to Robert Graves?
2: We had different great-great-grandmothers. Mine was named May. May Graves.
1: My word. We had a picture of him on our mantle. Uh Uh-huh. So that makes us, what, third cousins? Third half cousins. I never had the slightest idea.
2: You see, there were two lines, the the acknowledged family and the other family of sorts.
1: My husband is not gonna believe this.
2: A clear dividing line between yours and mine.
1: Oh, I can see that.
2: As plain as black and white, to, to coin a phrase.
1: I should have known on the telephone. No white woman would name her son King. Well, Sid! Sid! Do you want to order something? Coffee?
2: I've already got
1: it. Well, I think it's wonderful. You do? Absolutely. You do? Sure! Well, think about it. All these people in America and everyone thinks we're so different. But what they don't realize is that we are all related.
2: I don't think you realize the significance.
1: This just brings it home.
2: The full significance of what this means.
1: Oh, believe me, I understand perfectly well what this means.
2: Do you recognize the kind of relationship they must have had? Do you understand that your ancestor, the patriarch of your family, owned slaves? That he owned my... Great, great grandmother.
1: That's not what I meant.
2: Well, that's the ugly truth.
1: But I didn't mean that at all. I was suspected, I suppose. Me too. I got that sense from my mother, but it's not something we ever talked about. Me neither. God, how awful!
2: Yeah. What an
1: embarrassment!
2: I couldn't agree with you more.
1: No one talked about it in school. History's history. Abraham Lincoln was always a great man. George Washington, Thomas Jefferson. Which brings
2: me to my point.
1: It's shameful. I want you to know that my parents were not racist. No one in my family was that I know of. They were always in favor of integration. Well, they were. They raised us to believe in equality.
2: I'm not trying to impugn your integrity. Thank you. But my point is something must be done about it.
1: About what? Slavery?
2: About history, about the past.
1: I'm not sure what you mean.
2: Amends must be made. For slavery? Yes, for slavery. Reparations. What? Reparations. Reparations. <clears throat> Reparations are in order.
1: I'm not sure I understand what you're saying.
2: A great injustice was done, and it has never been acknowledged, much less fixed.
1: You're talking about a period which ended 150 years ago.
2: There's no statute of limitations on murder. Wait a minute. There's no statute of limitations on genocide. Oh, hold on. Think of a a bank robber. He's a criminal, but he gets away with the crime. And because he's industrious, he invests his stolen money, starting a business of his own. It's not at all the same thing. The business thrives and the money doubles and triples and quadruples. Well, he's still a criminal, right? If he is, if he is caught and tried, his money and possessions will be confiscated. That's the law. He wouldn't have had any money to invest if he hadn't stolen the initial sum, right? And that's America.
1: That may be so.
2: It started off with an enormous theft of labor.
1: But what does this have to do with?
2: And if his children inherit that money? Mm. And if his children inherit that business? What are you saying? If his children inherit that money? You
1: want me?
2: And subsequent generations inherit that money? You think I? It's still stolen money, right?
1: You think I should pay you? Yes. It's not at all the same thing. Isn't it? Is that why you're here? You think I should pay you for... Yes. For slavery.
2: If you're resistant, that's natural. You must be out of your mind. Everyone is resistant to new ideas. It's part of human nature.
1: You're darn right I'm resistant.
2: Do you have any idea what kind of life that was?
1: Is that the only reason you wanted to meet me?
2: Did you think I wanted to exchange Christmas cards?
1: Yes, actually.
2: I'm sorry to disappoint you. This is outrageous. Well, let me be clear. I don't think you did anything wrong.
1: Then there's nothing more to discuss.
2: I obviously know that you were not personally involved, but you have to admit that you're the beneficiary.
1: Nothing of the kind. How can you say that? I'll tell you. I was
2: really excited to meet you. I brought some things for you to look at.
1: And I suppose if I don't hear you out then I'm a bigot?
2: I'm here to offer you a gift. And what's that? How many times in your life can you balance a great injustice? How often can you set uneasy memories to rest?
1: So for you it's a matter of altruism? Yes. You have nothing to gain?
2: You said yourself that no one ever talks about it. Who said the truth shall set you free?
1: How do I even know you're
2: telling the truth? Do you want to see what I brought?
1: How do I even know you are who you say you are?
2: I think you know.
1: You could have forged documents.
2: Ellie, I'm not a hoax. I'm not a fiction. I think you can see a plain fact when it's sitting across the table staring you in the face. I've made copies. No, thank you. I can even take you by the house. The land's been subdivided, but you'd think it would be a big place. The word plantation connotes all kinds of images, a sprawling estate grounds, a whole village around a central castle, but it looks like a regular old house, kind of falling apart.
1: You're obviously intelligent and educated.
2: What does my background matter? I could be anything. If you steal from a rich man, isn't it still theft?
1: What I suggest is that you forget the past and get on with your own life. Do you? It's the only way.
2: At least look at the pictures.
1: It doesn't implicate me.
2: I've got an interview with my great-grandfather, Harper Graves. I want you to know what he was like.
1: My parents worked extremely hard for what they have.
2: He talks about his mother. Just hear what he has to say.
1: I work extremely hard.
2: I'm sure you do, but look what you started with.
1: I didn't start with anything. Okay, so you researched your family, but what about mine? I'm not going to plead poverty, but you talk as if I were raised in a castle.
2: Eighty percent of a person's wealth is inherited.
1: I haven't inherited anything. On
2: average, eighty percent.
1: And what about my husband? It's his money, too. Does he owe you something for having married
2: me? Maybe he does.
1: When my father lost his job, we had nothing. Did you research that?
2: Who's to blame if you've squandered it? My family was never given that chance because we were disinherited the moment May was emancipated and not given a dime. For two generations, labor was stolen from my ancestors at the end of a gun and the tail of a whip to make your family rich. You must realize that that wealth didn't disappear. It is gone. Even if only a small portion found its way to you? That doesn't mean the bank isn't still owed its money. There was a robbery, and that money belongs to her.
1: Yes, it was a crime. Yes, it was monstrous, but I didn't do it. I don't condone it, and for that matter, you weren't the victim.
2: think who should have asked for it, hmm? Should my great-grandfather have pressed his claim on the man who tortured and subjugated him? Should his son have faced down the Klan and the organized bigotry of government? Maybe my father should have hitched his ride on the rails with Emmett Till. They were born the same year. I'm the beneficiary because mine is the first generation in American history born with the freedom to sit at the same lunch counter as you. I'm the first one who could ask. That money belongs to my family.
1: You're trying to make me feel ashamed and accuse me of something I had nothing to do with.
2: These are not the lives of half-imagined fictions.
1: That's what you're here for, isn't it? To accuse
2: me. They are the people I loved. My parents, my grandparents, my ancestors. Look at the way they lived. Look at what they were subjected to. That's her. Yeah.
1: That's me? Uh Uh-huh. I'm truly ashamed. I am, please believe me. But how can I take the blame for something I didn't do?
2: Things have not evolved as much as we'd like to believe.
1: And giving you money won't turn back the clock.
2: When I first came up to the table, you looked right through me.
1: I was expecting someone else. You said you were family.
2: I am family.
1: I wish I could help you.
2: I can show you where they breathe for 400 years. I can show you where their ghostly footsteps disturb the dust. They breathe in me. And Robert Graves too, for what it's worth. I ask that you see them. Let them rest with dignity. Let them rest in peace.
1: I'm not responsible. No. And you aren't the victim. So why is it up to us to change it?
2: Because that's all we have.
0: Thanks for listening to Inheritance by Eric Henry Sanders with Carla Hendrick and Emmanuel Elpenord. And now here's a snippet of the conversation I was able to have with Eric in February of 2022, just 11 years after he penned Inheritance for the Justice Project at the drilling company.
3: Uh, well, first, thank you for having me on the show and uh, for inviting me to do this. It's, it's wonderful to work with you again. Um, yeah. the, the, it was interesting. The first impetus I had for this play uh, which was to write a play about reparations, came to me when I believe I was watching the evening news. And they had a speaker on, a guest speaker, uh, talking about reparations and the possibility of, of creating uh, a, a program to, uh, for restorative justice. And I loved everything this person said. And then when they got to the actual idea of, of sending money to communities and to individuals, I thought, oh, that's, that's ridiculous. How, how could you possibly do that? And it's sort of a strong, curious reaction that I had. And right after I had that 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 uh, strong reaction, I thought, why? why? Like, why, why was I so, why, why was there an emotion attached to this particular subject when I know almost nothing about it? And so that prompted me to go and start doing research on reparations and how they could be done. And. Uh, and how they how how restorative justice in, around this uh, these issues could be uh, could be meted out. So um, so I, I was working on that idea, sort of had it in the back of my mind, and I always have dozens of projects that I have ideas for. And then when sure. I saw the the uh, submission for justice, I thought, oh well, this is perfect. This would be a wonderful opportunity to to further explore this this issue. And uh, so that that's really the genesis of it
0: it still remains relevant, no?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, as as you mentioned, I mean, it's been um, all of these difficult issues are tinged for me with with a little bit of hope uh, that there's, you know, in in the last decade, there, there's there been so much strife and there have been so many there have been so many incidents that have caused national heartache. And for people that are paying attention, it's it's caused um, a real rift in the way that that our society has has been functioning. And what's heartening to me in in this time is that it's now part of a conversation. I feel like these events have always been taking place, but they haven't been discussed and they haven't been uh presented on the nightly news just as when you know 10 years ago whenever it was when i first heard this piece it was it was radical i mean it was not something that was being discussed every night and maybe it's just my own sensitivity to it uh to the the idea of reparations and my interest in it and uh my interest in seeing reparations happen on a on a on a on a, a national level but um but it seems like it's part of the conversation now, and it seems like there, there's a movement in the right direction on these things, even though there's there's so much backlash and there's so many um, uh, and there there's there's clearly a, a an equal force against any kind of progress. Um, but but at least at least you know people are talking about it, and uh, and when when George Floyd again you know referring to George Floyd one of the things that, that came out of that was that the you know ta Coates rose to the top of the bestseller list even Max Kendi rose to the top of the bestseller list and uh and and many other black activists have been have been getting greater note uh greater attention um and so it's my it's my hope that things are moving in the right direction even if uh, even if it's slow and if even if it seems like we're in a,
0: a moment of such turmoil neither one of us happens to be a person of color how do you respond to to that what kind of feelings have gone through you well i think i think it's
3: exactly right that we should be having the conversation i think that the the idea of racial justice has been pushed onto minority communities for so long and if they if if they if they're asked to be to do the work on their own in isolation, I feel like it's it, it adds to the the idea of inju- uh, the injustices that they've suffered. Um, there's you know even Rex Kendi, I just absolutely loved his book um, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and the whole idea behind that is that that there there are essentially racist policies policies and there are anti-racist policies, and if you can if you can position yourself on the side of being anti-racist, working against it, then you're helping and if, if you're on the other side then you're not. and uh, right. and so is I it, think it doesn't matter who you are or what your background is if you're if you're if you're doing your best to be an ally, if you're doing your best to uh, to raise an issue that that seems like it's pushing a, a, an agenda that is anti-racist and is, is moving the needle in that direction, it's like you know we're all doing our best a
0: slight swerve now but um, what's your process like as a writer?
3: Thank you it's yeah, it's a great question. I think that um, it, it it tends to be along the lines of finding a subject that I'm really interested in exploring. So there's the thematic content that that grows out of that in the case of of inheritance it's about reparations. but then you have to figure out a story for it. and I when I teach writing uh, and I teach and I, I end up teaching screenwriting a lot and so I'm very interested in how structure works in, in screenwriting, in plays, in order to t- to tell a good story, because it's not enough to have good ideas that you want to get across to an audience. What you have to do is to personalize it and to create a situation where you have you have characters embodying real feelings, real ideas, real actions. Um, and so, the the trick is to find to find a way to express that, um, and uh, and then it becomes about figuring out like what what do those characters want? And if it's two characters talking to one another, then it's uh then they need to want something mutually exclusive from each other. So in other words, all of we know that we know since time immemorial when we talk about narrative that the the currency of narrative is conflict. And if you have two characters on stage and they they each want something from each other and it's and there's no conflict about getting it, then there's no there's no drama there's no there's no narrative but if there's something sort of in a contested space between them a contested object or a contested desire between them and each wants the opposite thing well suddenly you have a negotiation and you have conflict and and the more the, the more that each one is passionate about getting that thing and the more that there can be and the and the less compromise about it the more drama and more conflict that you're going to get, and so it's really figuring out, like in a play like *Inheritance*, we have two characters on stage. What do they? What do they want from each other? And uh, and how to? And and then it becomes a personal struggle, and so that's that's really the, the where the coordination between the thematic content and the and the plot come together.
0: And Erica is also an accomplished screenwriter so he asked his take on the academy awards
3: i'm i'm proud to say that i've gone to the the movies twice in the last week
0: okay congratulations for
3: the, for the first time in in 2 years i've i've been able to, to get to the movie theater so uh, of the academy award nominees i think uh, i don't even know if there're 10 of them i don't think i could name all of them and i certainly haven't seen all of them but uh, i was i was really impressed by uh, by the the new west side story i thought that was a brilliant adaptation yeah uh, i just saw drive my car which I was, I was extremely impressed by. And as a, as a theater person, especially, since Uncle Vanya's at the heart of that play, of that, of that film, it was just really fun. I, although I have to say there are moments in it that felt like I was attending a reading and that felt more like work. Do you have anything coming up? Sure, well, the, the first, the, the big news for me is that I, I have a book coming out on March 24th called Scene Writing, The Missing Manual, which is, which is co-written with uh, a, a good friend of mine and a great writer. Chris Perry. Very cool. Uh, And that that will be in bookstores. And we're going to hopefully do a book tour and all that kind of stuff. I'd be thrilled if people looked for that. And uh, aside from that, I have I have a couple shows that are um, one one is going to be at the Boston, uh, the uh, Museum of Science in Boston in in May. It's called Moving Water. uh, And that's going to tour afterwards. Uh, And then uh, I have a couple shows that I'm really excited about getting on their feet that are in various stages of of uh production hope you know sort of fingers crossed covid is, has put a, a, a bit of a, a wet blanket on some of the the opportunities but um hopefully they will they will re-emerge this year i have a play called maybe probably which i think you're familiar with with a little luck that's going to premiere in london this year. uh i have a company that's interested
0: we'll add to maybe probably we'll add hopefully uh, that we hear more good news from eric sanders thank you eric sanders for jumping